What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Well, hey there. Greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to, I guess this is the first episode of what we're calling season two of Best Movie, Worst Movie, the podcast where we talk about different topics, different you know categories, and breaking down what we think is the best movie in that category and what is the worst movie in that category. I'm one of your co-hosts. My name is uh, John Campy from The John Campy Show. It's awesome to be here and awesome to be back with Best Movie, Worst Movie. And I'm joined by the same crew that was here last year as well. First of all, starting over there, he is uh, the director of Free Enterprise, a producer on Agent Cody Banks. He's got a new film coming out called Tango Shalom, a little independent film you should keep your eyes out for. And he's also the host of Rob's Observations and one of the co-hosts on The John Campy Show as well, Mr. Robert Meyer Burnett. Robert, how you doing, sir? John, it's once again, it's so great to be doing a podcast with gentlemen I hold in such high regard. Oh, and you are one of those as well. And speaking of the other gentleman whom we hold in high regard, he is, uh, an. it should be noted, an undefeated movie trivia competitor. Uh, he is uh, the co-host, of course, this show, Best Movie, Worst Movie. He's an Olympic swimmer, an Olympic gold medalist, multiple time medalist. He's Mr. Cody Miller. Cody Thanks for being here, man. It's oh, good man. to have you back. I am so excited to be back, guys. I've had a lot of my friends that listen to season one that were like, hey, when are you going to do season two? And I'm like, well, I'm, I'm trying to make it happen. I'm so pumped that we're doing it. This is going to be great. So many people have been asking for a very long time, when are you going to make it happen? And here we are. And this is where we're going to kick off this new season with, guys. We're talking about the best movie and worst movie. This is perfectly time appropriate. The Oscar nominations have just come out, but we are going to lay down the truth. We're going to talk about the best movie and worst movie of 2019 guys this is one of those years that i remember about midway through summer a lot of the talk around the movie sphere was about man this is kind of a disappointing year you know there were some really really good ones but a lot of the bigger ones that people were the more high, let's say the higher profile ones that a lot of people were excited about maybe ended up falling a little bit flat uh things like that but as we started getting into the fall and winter season that's when as usually does, the real heavyweights of the films have come out. And we're talking about, everybody was talking about The Irishman, uh, the Korean film uh, Parasite. Uh, a lot of people talking about Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Marriage Story, The Farewell, Booksmart, Joker, uh, Pain and Glory, Two Popes. On and on. I mean, we just had so many, 1917, we had so many great films that a lot of people I talked to who do like top 10 lists were really struggling by the end about... It's not about coming up with 10. It's like, how the hell do I limit this list to 10 uh, this year? And that's what we're talking about right now. And, and Rob, as you look at 2019, you know, I, I saw it starting off a little cold, got really hot, ended up being a really good year. How did you look at the year as a whole? Well, you know, 
there's always this talk about how, well, movies aren't good anymore. And the old <laughs> times, the olden days, we had much better films. I think that is completely untrue. I think 2019 was a film where we had amazing flights of fancy, whether it was Captain Marvel, whether it was Avengers Endgame, which was a capper. To, uh, I, I still marvel, so to speak, at everything they were <laughs> no able fun. to do in that. <laughs> then toward the end of the year, we had masterworks from everything from Parasite, from Korea, of course. We had The Farewell from a new young emerging filmmaker. Uh, we had, uh, I mean, Aquafina in her breakthrough performance. We had Scorsese coming back and doing The Irishman, which I love that movie. And then, of course, you've got Taika Waititi, who, who Taika Waititi, who made a movie where Hitler was someone's imaginary friend, which really didn't sound like it was going to work out for anyone. <laughs> and it turned out to be uh, a wonderful film. I mean, I think 2019 was just chock a block full of fantastic cinema. Cody, as you look at the year of film that was, it's still weird to feel like 19, 2019 is it's now crazy. in our rearview mirror. Like, what what's the thing that stands out to you about this year in movies? The thing for me is it, this was the hard. Every year I do a top ten video, and uh, this was the hardest that I can remember trying to narrow down just a top ten. And also the variety of films. The fact that in my top ten, I have a romantic comedy, I have an animated film, I have films that are nominated for best picture. You have Avengers Endgame. I mean, just the the spread of goodness across yeah. all of these different types of films is insane. And man, it's just a good year to go to the movies. I had looking back, I had so many good memories going to the movies and, and so, so many are so rewatchable too. Well, that and that and rewatching them became a problem because you'd want to rewatch it. But now th all of a sudden three other top shelf movies just came out. I, I really found, especially November and December became really difficult to keep up. Yeah. And we've seen a lot, that trend of the best movies, the real award contender movies being released late in the year. I mean, it's getting a little crowded. I hope they start spreading that out over the years. But anyway, guys, let's get down to the Brax tax. It's time to talk about and give our marks to what we think is the best movie of 2019 and the worst movie of 2019. And just for fun, we normally start with best in these categories. I just for fun, let's start with worst. Let's stay, let's save the good stuff for the end. Let's start with worst. Rob, I'm going to let you have the honors here and kind of share what do you feel? Now, of course, I'm sure there's some little indie film that nobody saw that might actually be the worst thing ever. But I mean, talking about the, the wide release films, the major films, what was the worst movie of 2019? For me, there was not even a choice in the matter. There was one movie that I thought was so unbelievably awful on, on every level. And the thing is, it thinks it's not. It thinks <laughs> the movie, the movie thinks it's not awful. It's trying to make this overarching commentary on celebrity oh. and what it all means. And I'll tell you what it's called. First of all, it stars an actor who I've loved throughout since the 70s, John, he was born to hand jive. Mr. John Travolta <laughs> starred in this movie directed by Limp Biscuits Fred Durst, which should have given me a pause. <laughs> you know, Rob Zombie's career has definitely been spotty with me. So why should another rock star turned director not be the same? <laughs> this movie is called The Fanatic. Yeah. And it is one of the most. I mean, first of all. You know, if you want to see something where I understand we're all immersed, I've been immersed in fan culture, I've been a movie fan my whole life. This to me showed us the most the most cliched, the most ridiculous look at movie fandom 
at I understand it's all about psychotic fans and how far it can go. But, you know, and John Travolta, God love the man. He certainly threw himself. Well, he threw himself off a cliff to get into <laughs> a character for this role. You can't say that he wasn't committed. But it's a long way from Pulp Fiction. I mean, even the movie he starred in with Lily Tomlin, I think, moment by moment. It's a long way from that one, too. This film is, it it just shows what goes awry when he becomes fixated on an actor. And it, oh, John, (laughs) Cody. I mean, I have to say, I mean, this film, it had the best of intentions, but it, it just went wrong in every way, shape, and form. And poor John Travolta. He just is, he's trying to, I mean, he thinks he's in Joker. He thinks right. he's doing right. what, what Joaquin <laughs> Phoenix was doing. And I, God love the man, because if you want to see some real commitment, uh, I give it up for John Travolta, but this movie is such a misfire. Uh, it, it, it's like a shotgun going off in your face when you're cleaning your gun. And it's not fun to watch ultimately. But I have to say, I did kind of enjoy watching it the way I might enjoy watching, you know, a, a 50 car, car pileup yes. in, in the grapevine during a hor- horrible snowstorm. I mean, it was it was just not great. And yet the film thinks it's good. It thinks it's giving us a look at both mental illness and crazy fandom and 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 even Hollywood and how actors are and relate to their fans. But man. Yeesh. The fanatic. <laughs> and listen, I've, I've seen a lot of people mention that in, in like near the top of their worst of the year. And it's, uh, man, John Travolta's had a rough go of it the last while. Like a Gaudy. lot of, a number of zero percenters on, uh, on Rotten Tomatoes for him in that. So we got, so we got one for the fanatic. Cody, let's go over to you now. And the, uh, listen, we just talked about how great the year has been for film, but if you got to reach down into that bucket, oh what are you pulling goodness. out as like the worst? First of all, I've never seen that movie before. So thank you for taking that bullet for me, Rob. <laughs> um, so this movie that I have picked surprisingly, I didn't see a whole lot of movies that were so bad that they stuck out to me. So when I had to think of a ter- a, a, a worst movie of 2019, I really had to think. And I, it came down to a movie that I ended up talking to my friends a lot about because it's a film that was released on Netflix. It was one that um, I f- feel like in my circle of friends, everyone had at least talked about or seen a trailer for or knew it was on Netflix. And I tell you what, I've been rooting for Adam Sandler's for a long time. Oh, I know where this is going. I'm a big Adam Sandler's fan, huge fan. And I love his old school comedy. So every time he's got a movie coming out, I'm always rooting for him. And most of the time it looks horrible. The movie I have selected is Murder Mystery. Yep. It was so bad. And the thing is, I think what made it so bad for me was I saw the trailer, like the little, you know, when you you log into Netflix and then the trailer immediately starts playing. Yeah. It didn't actually look bad. It looked like it could have been okay. Maybe not the best movie. But I'd heard I'd heard some okay things about it early. Yes. And the trailer didn't look bad, yes, right? Exactly. And I'm a sucker for murder mystery movies. Like my fate one of my favorite movies of the year was Knives Out. Um I, I, I love the whodunit kind of a thing. And I was like, oh my and then I saw, you know, you got you got a great co-star in there, um, Jennifer Aniston, and I was like, okay, this can't suck. And unfortunately, about 10 minutes in the movie, I was like, man, this really sucks. That sounds like a dare. <laughs> it was just, it was a, it was a, it was a brutal thing for me to get through. And I forced myself to watch it because once again, I love Adam Sandler's and I know he's made a lot of bad movies, but I've been rooting for him for a really long time. And I just think that there was so much promise for this movie to not suck. 
I think that the, the the story within itself isn't all that bad. The idea of being on a cruise ship, the, the whole thing of a murder. I know we've seen that whole thing before, but we've never seen it with a comedic twist to it. And I was like, this, this could be good. Nope. Skip it. It's terrible. It's painful. That's the one I picked. All right. So we got murder mystery. Uh, we've got the fanatic. Uh, I'll tell you what, there were, there were a number of really, really bad films this year, a number of really bad ones. Um, and it came I, I had a hard time coming up with my number one worst. You know, I don't like to celebrate the worst movie of a year, but, but let me give an honorable mention. The one that doesn't take top prize. The honorable mention is a movie I was ridiculously excited for because Rob, you and I were at CinemaCon in Las Vegas when they first previewed this movie. And I said, oh my God, I can't wait to watch this. I love the The look of the story is great. The cast is great. And to this day, I'm beside myself with how bad the movie was. And that is The Kitchen with Elizabeth oh. Moss, uh, Tiffany Haddish, and Melissa McCarthy. Powerhouse lineup. Powerhouse lineup. This movie is so awful. And I remember I had to watch that movie and then immediately head to the airport to fly. And I was so distraught by how bad the movie was. I literally <laughs> had to pull up my phone as I'm walking through the airport terminal going, guys, avoid the kitchen. It is so unbearably bad. Like, you know how this is how bad it is. You know how movies open on Friday nights. But what that really means is that they open on Thursday night. Not only did they hold the review embargo, they didn't even let it come out on Thursday night. Like that's that's how bad this movie was. And it is still kind of amazing to me that it's not even the worst movie of the year to me. <laughs> yeah. my, Where's this going? My pick for the worst movie of the year is one that I, another I had a lot of hope for. The first trailer for this movie left everybody scratching their head. The second trailer for the movie got everybody excited and that excitement oh, no. quickly died. Oh, no. Hellboy. Uh, Hellboy was so uh, bad. And you know what's funny about it? David Harbour was actually a pretty good hell, Hellboy. Uh, he was. He, he was a pretty good Hellboy. The movie, and just when you think it does something so dumb, they think, well, this has got to be as bad as the movie gets. Again, they take that as a dare, and 10 minutes later, they do something even stupider. And then it gets even dumber. And then it gets even dumber. And then suddenly Merlin is there. And then you're like, what the hell is going on? And it is so, un, it's it's unwatchable. I mean, it really is. I could not wait to leave the theater. And I I thought to myself at one point thinking, I remember when it came out on home video, I remember thinking, maybe I should give it another chance. And I'm like, I just don't hate myself that not, that much. I don't <laughs> hate myself enough to sit down and watch this again. And so while I would have thought for sure after seeing The Kitchen that The Kitchen would have been my number one worst film of the year, I'm going to have to go with Hellboy. So oh, we've got we got The Fanatic. We got Murder Mystery. And we got Hellboy. So there we are. Uh, that's ours, guys. So, hey, let's go into something more positive now. Let's get into and actually start talking about the best of the year. And there is such a plethora of stuff to, to choose from. And we'll go in reverse order here. So I'll go first this time. For my best film of the year, and for those of you who watch the John Campion show, this will not catch you any by surprise. It became my number one film the night that I saw it, and nothing has bumped it out of that spot. And that film is Jojo Rabbit. I... Look, I was excited to see this movie because it's Taika Waititi. You know, Taika Waititi with what we do in the shadows, uh, the will of people with um, uh, Thor Ragnarok. Uh, and I've met Taika Waititi, such a likable personality. He's just he's just a breath of fresh air in the Hollywood movie system. I wanted to like it. The notion of the film, a young boy living in Nazi Germany whose imaginary best friend is Adolf Hitler. 
That to me is gutsy. That's gutsy to do. But it could have gone really wrong really fast. Mm-hmm. What I was expecting in this movie, it delivered. Taika Waititi has this incredible pace about his movies. And he's also incredibly, he's got an incredible sense of humor. He can bring levity and joy and a smile to almost anything, no matter how dark or bleak. And he did that. But he did stuff in this movie I had no idea that he as a filmmaker was capable of doing. There is a depth of emotion and feeling and human experience in this movie done in a very uniquely Taika Waititi way that I had no idea he was capable of. I didn't know he could do this type of stuff. No idea. And by the end of the film, I walked out with my wife and my heart was still pounding in my chest because it had taken me from one extreme to another and then to a new corner of emotion, then to a new corner of emotion, and then and then peppering it all in with laughs and levity while then bringing it to the harsh reality of it. And it's like, it's a movie experience, like one I haven't had in years. I'm not saying it's the best movie I've seen in years, but I'm saying is it was a movie experience. I haven't had anything like similar to that in a long, long, long time. So out of the impressive lineup of truly fantastic film this year, the one that stands out for me the most, and I was very happy to see it got nominated for Best Picture because the last two years, my number one film of the year, both times failed to get nominated for Best Picture. That was Quiet Place. Mm. And the year before that was Logan. Mm. And so I was very happy to finally see a year that my favorite movie and what I think is the best movie of the year gets nominated. So for me, my pick for best of when it comes to 2019 is going to be Jojo Rabbit. So that, that's my call on that one. Uh, Cody, let's go over to you. Now, you've gone from the one extreme of uh, Adam Sandler, <laughs> Jennifer Aniston murder <laughs> mystery comedy. What? And by the way, I don't know what, what either of you are going to answer for this. I have I no idea this. what either you're going to do. I can feel the tension in the room. I, I, I'm, I'm like, I'm literally, I'm sitting on pins and needles here. So what are we talking about for Cody Miller's pick well, for best? I will off? say as an honorable mention, just to keep throwing some love towards the Sandman, Uncut Gems was up there for me. One of the best film going experiences of the year. It was amazing to see him transform into a character and I was just in shock and awe of how maniacal his character was and just how just how crazy, you know, just this gambling addict. I mean, it was so out of his comfort zone, so different from anything we'd ever seen before. So that's probably my honorable mention. In a year where we had just films like Toy Story 4 and Avengers Endgame and the list goes on and on. But the film that really sticks out to me the most is Sam Mendes' 1970. Oh, there it is. Nice. I think this movie is the most masterfully crafted film that I have seen in years. And for those of you listening, it's it's a world war it's it's a it's a movie based on a war following two soldiers and that's really it. And the film <laughs> the way <laughs> but it's so immersive the way the film is shot. I mean, there's 10 minute sequences of this film where there's no cuts. So you're following two people through the battlefield. And as you're following these people, you're learning more about them. You're getting more engaged into what's going on. You're, you're, it's, it takes a master level of cinematography, of storytelling, of set design, everything that goes and into of making. Of course, Deacons was the cinematographer. Oh God, Deacons on this was one. so good. But just the fact that they're walking through the bunker and there's so much going on. And once again, because they, because this is seamless and there's no cuts, there's so many things that could go wrong. 
Like there's so many things that the audience could get distracted by. There's so many things that could take you out of the movie because it kind of feels like a little bit of a video game, but the entire time it's just drawing you in more and more. And by the time that they're walking, they're, that they've got their mission, they're gonna go try and save 1600 soldiers' lives and it's resting on their shoulders and they're crawling through barbed wire and all you see is this one soldier get his hand cut open and five seats over from me, I hear this woman just gasp and the audience is silent. That's a special moment. Everyone in the theater is locked in because it's so immersive. And the score in this movie, I mean, I could talk for an hour about how good this movie is, but it just, it's something that I'd never seen before. And I, I mean, I love good war movies, right? Like we've seen some of the greatest battle sequences from your Saving Private Ryans to your Black Hawk Downs, but this is a whole nother level of filmmaking of them running through a battlefield and everything is just chaos, but you're focused on the one character and his one mission the whole time. I've never seen anything like it before. I think it's going to win Best Picture, by the way. And you know what? My, my pick for best, uh, obviously, is Jojo Rabbit. But the one I actually think is going to win is 1917. It's, it's got all the momentum in the world. It's got all the hallmarks of a great Best Picture winner. So while I would, per if I was an Academy member, I'm personally voting for Jojo Rabbit, but I actually think 1917 is going to win uh, Best Picture this year. And it, 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 you're right. I mean, there are moments of it that feels like a video game in all the best ways possible. Right. The score, so the good. cinematography, the direction of it. It's just a really different and special kind of movie. So Rob, then there was one. That leaves that leaves you. So we're going from the extreme of John Travolta's The Fanatic, <laughs> and we're going to the other end of the scale, which is what? It's a movie that I, <clears throat> this is going to come as no surprise, that I was touting to the high heavens before I'd even seen it. And it's from one of our master directors, and it's sort of a capper of, of, of subject matter he's dealt with throughout his career, going all the way back to Mean Streets. And of course... It's Martin Scorsese's The Irishman. Really? I didn't think that was going to end up being uh, your, it's gonna your be, best uh, it's one. Quite, you know what? I've watched it. I found myself, when I first saw it, it's three and a half hours long, mm. and I thought it was good, but I didn't think it was as great as I wanted it to be. And I think I've watched it four and a half times. Wow. Wow. And I, wow. I, I just keep going back on it because, you know, it's a subtle tour de force of, uh, I think it's quiet. You know, his his gangster movies have been much more histrionic. If you even go back to yeah. Main Streets and you look at Goodfellas and Casino and then, of course, The Departed or whenever he's looked at that world. But but really, The Irishman ends up being a meditation on what is the culmination of one's life. Hmm. And it, it's hmm. sort of is like if you choose a life of crime or you choose a life where you forsake your family as he does, it's beautifully done with his daughter, how his daughter knows what kind of a monster her father has become. And it's portrayed in such a devastatingly quiet way. And when I get to the end of that movie, it's just, it's shattering. The last 45 minutes is all about regret. And it's all about, you know, what have I left for this world? What have I become? Is my soul been so corrupted? I mean, he's left with nothing. And the scene with the these these gangsters who were once at the height of their powers and they ran the world around them. And then you see them all as doddering old men all in prison together. And it, it's just like, it really, to me, was not just a culmination of Scorsese's work as his New York gangster work or even Boston in terms of The Departed, but it was really, to me, a cautionary tale about how a man should ultimately not lead his life. Mm -hmm. You know, you really have to remember what is important 
to you as a human being is is getting involved in in this great organization and devoting your not great but the mafia right. you know being a part of history albeit in a small way or is it more important to see your daughter grow up and have the love of her and i i just find the movie just it spoke to me in a way that and i keep going back to it and watching it again and and i know it's not people don't find it as entertaining and a lot of people thought it was disappointing i also think you know, a lot of the, what they did with the de-aging was pretty amazing. And I I, I just feel that the, the movie really packs such a it, – it feels like I had cold water thrown in my face every time I get to the end of the movie. And of all the movies I saw this year, it just affected me more than anyone. And I guess because I'm, I'm an old man with one foot in his grave <laughs> and perhaps I'm looking back and I do not want to, as, as Charlton Heston said in Planet of the Apes – I leave the 20th century behind with no regrets. <laughs> well, I don't want to leave the 21st century behind with any regrets. And, you know, it made me want to call my mom more. And it really it spoke to me. And ultimately, I mean, that's what movies are, right? They they are they are supposed to be these things that delivered us an experience. Mm, and yes. whether it's an experience of excitement, joy, contemplation, fear, whatever, like we look for those things. And if a movie like that can speak to you on that level, I mean, it's going to stick with you. I mean, to be honest, my favorite movie of the year was Avengers Endgame. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it really was. I would it agree was, with that. It was a movie that, that the culmination of my love of science fiction, fantasy, horror, comic mm -hmm. books, everything – it, 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 I couldn't believe they really stuck the landing. And I know there's people who want to nitpick, well, time travel doesn't work like this. But when we're talking about time travel not working like this, I'm like, come on, man. <laughs> you know, I mean, what they did in that movie, it was so, they had so many balls in the air. It could have gone awry in so many different ways. And I just sat there with you and what a joyous, I felt like I was 10 years old again. Yep. I felt like I'd eaten too much cotton candy and I loved the whole thing. <laughs> But it didn't speak to me the way the Irishman did. I think that one thing that stands out to me as I look at all three of our picks, each one of these films really points to a theme of of your mortality. Because there's a theme oh, in Jojo true. Rabbit yeah. of, yeah, of, of, I mean, what would you do in that scenario when you're fighting for your life? Obviously, 1917 is two guys, you know, willing to give up their life in pursuit of saving others. And The Irishman, I think, was the first Martin Scorsese film that really dealt with, okay, we've seen these gangs, these type of gangsters at the height of their power before, but what happens 20, 30 years later down the road? Right. What's more important? And I love how you so astutely put, maybe it's growing up seeing your, seeing your kids and your family blossom. Yeah, I mean, what are you left with at the end of a life? Exactly. You you brought up an interesting uh, side leaf there about, you know, what, what was the movie that you had the most fun at this mm, year, right. you know, right? For me, it actually wasn't Endgame. I don't think Endgame was the movie I had the most fun in the movie. And I did. I had a great amount of fun. Sure. Mm -hmm. of great course. amount of fun in Endgame. I did. But if I'm going to be honest, I think the movie I had more fun, and I'm not saying this is a better movie or anything. Don't get mad at me. But I don't know that any film this year gave me more fun then John Wick chapter three. Mm, so I, I like from the first five minutes of that damn movie, I'm just like, I'm giggling and just right. having yeah. a, and everybody in the theater was like, looking at each other. I saw people sitting beside people. They did not come with high fiving each other at points in the movie. I mean, right. So you're talking about having that experience sort of thing, but that's when I actually had the most that's fun. That's a with. really great that's pick though. You know, movies don't just make us feel something or contemplate something. Sometimes you want to be on like a roller coaster and jump. John Wick uh, chapter three, and it's a third chapter. And who would have thought, 
you would get that much fun out <laughs> so of that good. movie. I mean, Not after chapter, because I like chapter two. I do. I, I like chapter two, but I didn't think it was as good as chapter one. It didn't have a motorcycle scene with guys <laughs> with katanas. No, it <laughs> didn't have a horse kicking dudes in the face. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's what you lead with in the pitch meeting. Okay, or killer so dogs. Yes. Or killer dogs. Oh, Halle Berry. Just and Halle Berry's awesome. triumphant return, I know. by the way. Um, anyway, guys, that wraps it up uh, for this installment of a uh, best movie, worst movie. Thanks so much, guys, for for being here and and joining us in. And hey, you know, find us on social media and, and send us off some messages telling us this, what you thought were the best and the worst of 2019. Of course, you can find me on all social media, just at John Campia. And of course, my YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash John Campia for my daily the John Campia show, uh, where you'll also find Robert Meyer Burnett. But uh, Robert, in the meantime, where can uh, people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Burnett RM. Find me on Instagram at Robert Meyer Burnett or on my own YouTube channel, The Burnett Work and my show, Rob Observations, the show about something. And uh, Cody Miller, where can people find you? You guys can find me on Twitter, just at Swim Miller with one M at um, on Instagram, just at Cody Miller and on my YouTube channel backslash Cody Miller Adventures, where you'll see weekly swimming vlogs. Can I just think it's cool that he's got adventures after his? Like, I, actually, like I, mine should be like the John Campy adventures. I like that he's got adventures. Anyway, guys, hey, that'll wrap it up here for us now. Make sure you join us again next week for our next installment of Best Movie, Worst Movie. Uh, make sure you're sharing this around. Tell people the good word about this podcast as well and uh, let get everybody else on this is, at the same time. All right, guys, that'll wrap it up for us for now. My name is John Campy, and until next time, folks, bye-bye. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.